Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we are here today to do some more answers to parents' questions on parenting. Now, we've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five questions that uh, people post. Um, but before we start out, what we want you to know about these questions is they all have one common theme uh, behind them, and that is that the parent is showing that they have this fear that their children won't believe the gospel. That's what's driving these. Um, and we understand that. Um, I've got adult children. Matt, you've got kids. Um, either one making, neither one have made, I mean, Levi, he's just... <laughs> Bless his heart. He's trying to figure out what his right hand is. <laughs> he, he's actually too busy trying to figure out how he can get back up to that breaker panel and turn off more breakers. <laughs> uh, but um, wasn't he the one that decided that he had disciplined himself enough so that m mom didn't need to? Yeah. <laughs> he knows though. what the order of operation is here, so let's just make this efficient. <laughs> uh, but... Naomi's not yet made a profession, right? Uh -uh. Right. And so, and and we're on the other side where we've watched our children not just make that profession, be baptized, but grow and then leave the home, get married. They're making babies. They're on their own. So uh, we've watched that other side of that where, where we've we've believed that they were believers and, and had that hope and we saw evidence. But you never know once a child leaves a home and goes their own way. What's going to happen? So understand that we understand that that's the fear, okay? Uh, but but we want to respond to these questions as they're written. And so we might take a little bit of a tone. I hope not, but um, we may. And we don't mean it in a harsh way, but some of the wording in these is... Um, it's revealing. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Well, it shows some, that there are some operating assumptions already there present and i when i when i read these questions i was like boy it, it does show how parents are thinking though already there, there's a paradigm that's already there in place that i don't and again not in a mean way but i just don't think they're aware of it and so yeah. the way that the questions are even framed are already revealing a whole lot about their mindset and it for me it helps me remember that just because i look at a situation a certain way does not mean anyone else is seeing it that way. Um, just off the top of my mind, I've I've sat in where I'm asked to do marriage counseling, and the husband and wife are you know you can see there's tension, um, sitting on opposite sides of the couch and blah blah blah, and they tell you what's going on, and I can't tell you the number of time where I, I look at them both and I'm like, okay, so first of all. What I want you both know is this is not a big deal. And they both look at me like, oh, yeah? <laughs> We're on the verge of divorce here. And it's like, really, guys, this is not a big deal. Um, this is minor, and we can resolve this thing rather easily. But it is going to require that mind shift, that that paradigm shift in their brain. Um, it's clear that there's some broken thinking in their marriage. But if they can fix that, then they're going to both kind of laugh with an embarrassment at how small this issue was and how big it became. So 
With that, we'll just do the first one. And I think the people, as they hear it, they'll hear the question. They'll hopefully can hear the fear that's driving it um, and also some assumptions. So the qu- first question is, why is it so common that children often reject Christ when they are raised in a Christian home? And what responsibility do parents play in this? So what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, again, uh, first of all, the the operating assumption there that this is in some way common, right? Um, and that children often reject Christ when they're raised in a Christian home. We would just challenge that. I, perhaps the question's coming just from their own experience, and I don't yeah. know what this. I don't even know who asked the question, but I don't know what their background is in church, and and I'm I can only assume that that has shaped the question in some way. Uh, I, I'm thinking maybe the Barna Barna group, you know. Uh, 70% of the 20-somethings don't go to church. They, oh, sure. Yeah, they're, that, they're reading of, articles and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. And that hits Facebook, and then it just seems like that's that's the new topic of the day. Yeah. Uh, we would say the the idea, though, of, of responsibility is twofold when it comes to what responsibility do parents play in this. Um, the, the parents are to be faithful to raise their children in the Lord. Um, now, that's not taking them to church. That's not sending them to Sunday school. That's not praying, just praying right. over a meal, right? This is a, Yeah, it's a holistic reality. It's all of those weeks we talked about a parenting where you're immersing or baptizing this child in a Christian worldview that's modeled by mom and dad in every way. And that, I, I do think that a lot of parents flat out fail in. Um, I'm not there to beat up anyone, but it's like when when you're missing church after church after church for baseball, something's broken mm-hmm. in your thinking. Your kid's not going to go the pros. Something broke. Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's not the, the other thing too is sometimes we can think about okay, we need to get our kids saved. Like as if yeah, this is trans, transactional yeah. in some way. It's a punctiliar event, in other words. Uh, we would say no. This is an eighteen-year process. Um, it, it, so the the child ultimately is the one responsible to believe. Your responsibility as a parent is to just raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. The results of that you can't control. Um, but that whole environment that we're talking about, that holistic worldview of the Christian faith, that's that's your responsibility to, to as you said, to baptize them in that. Uh, but- Oh, but, but well, I'm just thinking again. Like, there's a local church where they actually one of the things volunteers do is, you know, they they stand in the middle of the aisle, and as the kids are coming to their Sunday school class, which is full of video games and other things, <laughs> that they're giving them all high fives and affirming them as they're special. And it's like, you know, you're going to that church and you think, yeah, well, I'm raising my kid to be a Christian. It's like, no, I don't know what you're raising them, but that's not raising to be a Christian, this kind of self-affirming idea, it's it's a lot more subtle than that. It is that process, but you're right. How often a, a parent is just like, I got to get them to trust Jesus, get them to say the prayer, and... Now show an X amount of fruit. Yeah, and, and that's it. But they don't understand that literally nothing changed in my parenting style with my children before versus after they made a profession of faith. Nothing changed one bit. Kim and I still talk to them the same way. 
We still dealt with them the same way. We instructed them. It wasn't like, okay, right now they're non-Christian, so I do it this. Now they're a Christian, I do this. We raised them in a Christian home, and, and we never pretended they were a Christian, but we also never constantly nitpicked them after having made a profession. Now having made a, a profession, we're going to allow you to grow, and if that makes sense. Yep. Um, verse, but So when they see this common thing, I, I really think that what they're doing is they're just watching the—I don't know who asked this either. Um, my question is, who are you looking at, and what kind of church are you in? Because if you're seeing that happen time after time after time, something's broken. Right. Something's broken. There's not this right view of what you're supposed to be doing as a mom and dad. Yeah, and, and what's happening, you know, quote, out there, whether it's, you know, the church at large or maybe it's even in your own church, that ought to have no bearing on what happens in your home. Because as we keep saying, you need to be faithful to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So what's going on out there isn't going to be indicative of what therefore will happen in your own home. Yeah, we, we in fact would say that parents today in the church oftentimes don't parent as Christians. They happen to be Christian, but they don't parent like a Christian. Um, and you see that in the way they arrange their household, their priorities, their practices, um, how often and how easy it is that they allow ideas that are contrary to sound doctrine begin to dictate their lives, all sorts of, of this. We got into this, I, we're not going to do a riff on this, but I mean, just with the relationship a few years ago of the public school where we were seeing that the public school was actively opposed in every way to the Christian worldview, and it's like we can't in good conscience have children there, and, and, and others who were then avidly protecting and defending it. It's like, okay, but in what way is that Christian? Right. You know, in what way are you instructing your children, bringing them up in the faith when they're literally being ta taught an atheistic, amoral, pagan worldview right. for six, eight hours a day? And, and so when, when we hear somebody say, I did, every, you know, I did not raise my child to be that way, and their, their child is in rebellion, um, you might be surprised <laughs> how yeah. often your pastor might be saying, actually, you did. You, right. you, you, you portrayed it perfectly. Um, and so parents, you play a huge role in it. You can't make a child believe. You can't. But you can put them in a very fertile place. It's not by accident that God gave you children as Christians, um, but he does command you to raise them in the fear and uh, and discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I actually preached a sermon on this because it was a real burden. Uh, and we'll post it on uh, the show notes or whatever we're doing nowadays, uh, where you it was just simply me exhorting my own church to raise children to believe because I think that it's easy, especially people in a more Reformed camp, that it's like, well, it's up to God. I can't do this. And so they kind of take on almost a fatalistic approach, and it's like, no, 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 no. So I, I give some practical uh, admonition and exhortation in that sermon on uh, how to raise children to believe uh, versus hoping <laughs> against hope yeah. that maybe somehow they're going to pop out as a Christian. Phew, we made it, you know? Yeah, right. Can I get your uh, charger for your computer? Your computer charger? <laughs> My battery's dying. 
That's how we roll here. Yep. Okay. All right, so you're charging. Now I'm on a battery. Uh, are, are you low over there? No, no, okay. no. But mine's an old battery. Mine's so yelling at me. Start okay. talking. So <laughs> second question, what are some <laughs> earlier signs you can detect in your child that he is not believing in the gospel? See, now here's where my natural snark wants to come out. It's like, well, not believe. <laughs> yeah. I, first of all, they're already, they're born in sin. They're not believers. They're already in their heart actively opposing the gospel in one sense, but not in another. We've talked about that in a, a young child um, is dead in their sin, but but there's a tenderness there, a tenderness of conscience. You know, you're not fighting fighting with your child. I mean, picture the difference between a three-year-old that you're talking about Jesus and they had a nightmare and you're holding them and you're praying with them and, and they're talking about how they can trust God. He loves them. Tell them about Jesus. And a sullen 17-year-old who, you know, hates life, hates you, is fully postmodern in their thinking. You know that you know you're talking about a, a, a calloused conscience and everything else. Right. Um, so instead of worrying about whether you detect that they're not believing the gospel, it's that you're graciously, gently, kindly, in every way, shape, or form, showing them and modeling for them, and then talking about what it looks like to believe the gospel. So that's going to get into: Are you a mom filled with anxiety? Well. You should believe the gospel, right? That that you because know, you could say that that right there is a sign that you're not believing the gospel. Yeah, yeah that God really isn't in control of this. That your soul is not well with God. Uh, what what are you so yeah worked up over? You're a bitter, angry man because life's not working out for you in your career, and you come home and take it out on your children. Great. Well, you're acting as an unbeliever in your home, and you're instructing your children not to believe. The gospel. That would actually be the more serious question yeah. versus your child, because there's a difference between a sinner dead in their sin, but because they're living in ignorance, because they're four, uh, versus an adult who's come to understand the gospel, say they believe it, but then they act in sin consistently. Um, yeah. Not that we're saying you're not a believer if you have anxiety sometimes, but th there's a difference between, because you have knowledge Whereas, <laughs> you want to debate that? No, uh, okay. no. Um, you know, so just showing a lot of grace there. The, the, the beauty is they, they live in your home, and if you're seeking to make that a Christian home, there's a lot of hope there. So I would not be trying to make judgments too quickly based on early signs. Yeah, and, and, and another common error I find with people is you got the, the tough kid, the, you know, uh, the strong-willed, some will say. Um, I would just call him a jerk, but <laughs> uh, but I mean, you got that kid that just you go, you say go right, he, his instinct is go left, and you say go low, he goes high, on and on, and so you're like, ah, he's he's just he's just a rebel. You got that lit now? We're working our cigars too, um, and and then you got Miss uh, your your daughter who's sweet and kind and very compliant, and, and there you can fool yourself into thinking that somehow she's more predisposed toward the gospel. Nope, they're not. Um, don't equate, equate a compliant child and an obedient child as somehow being closer to belief as the one who's a pain. It's still a sovereign work of the Spirit, right. um, and self-righteousness is as wicked 
as open rebellion. Um, so quit looking for signs of unbelief and start looking for <laughs> ways to promote belief and right. encourage belief and show them that and praise them when 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 you ask them to pray over a meal and they willingly do so, praise them for that. That's actually an, a small little thing, but it's expressing faith. It's yep. like I'm actually versus why? Who are we talking to? You know, he's not there. Any you know, that sounds like something a 16 year old would say. But your four year old to tell him to pray and and so I don't know. Is it? I, I've listened to every one of my grandchildren who can talk, pray. And for me, I find my heart just endeared. Sometimes I'm impatient because they have to literally list every single person in their mind. Um, but actually, that's an expression of faith. They actually think God wants to hear. Uh, you know, it's like, that's better than me. I, I we sometimes, ask you to just give thanks for the food. Why are we? <laughs> yeah, we're on page three. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but... But it is sweet because they, they actually want to share those things to God. So promote that, encourage that, but also instruct them. Um, so right. quit looking for ways that your child is acting in unbelief and promote the things that are in belief. And we'll, we'll say it a thousand times, you're always looking at trajectory, yeah. right? So don't, don't ask looking for signs that you can detect as them either being a believer or unbeliever right now. It's where are they now compared to last year and the next year? Where are they compared to this year? Especially as they begin to enter that stage where they're now wanting to make that profession. Yeah. Um, so I'll give the next one. Okay. When you detect your child is, in, is an open unbeliever, once he is capable of understanding the facts of the gospel, how should you react toward him knowing that he is your enemy as he is to God? Is there a limit for grace and love toward an open rejection? What are some things you can do when he is still, uh, I think they meant to say, in your home? That's strong. Shake, just, shake the dust off your feet? and just no. <laughs> that, That's the passage that you're working on to preach this Sunday, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, again, the, the wording of the question we would say is a little wearisome. Um, we would say they're your child, so just keep on loving them. Um, yeah, they're not your enemy. Yeah. I mean, you have to make a distinction between the theological. It's, it's like you walk up to some guy at 3 in the morning, like let's say you wake up your 16-year-old at 3 in the morning and you start saying, repent. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your wicked ways or go to hell. And then you're like, hey, I gave him the gospel. He's rejecting <laughs> it. And, and, and then I'm like, dude, you didn't do that. Hey, if he's the elect, he's going to believe. You know, theologically, you're correct. <laughs> yes, theologically, if he's the elect, he's going to believe. But that that's that's – the decorative sovereign will right, of God. Right. I mean, we don't get to know who the elect are. Uh, what God has revealed to us is that we are to handle ourselves and comport ourselves with kindness, gentleness, grace, patience, exhorting, urging, modeling, blah, blah, blah. So um, instead of theologically trying to say, well, he's my enemy. Well, of course he is. He's an enemy of the gospel, like you were. But he's still your son. And you also are called to love them 
and treat them kindly and give him good things because that's what parents do and teach them and care for them and exhort them and pray for them. You know, give no cause for stumbling. Um, right. Just as you said, love them. Yeah. And the question here, is there a limit for grace uh, toward the person of open rejection? We would say by definition, grace is limitless because yeah. it's not earned. There's no condition. Um, so, so no, there is never a limit. Having said that, though, there are boundaries, we would say, that you would be wise to create, and sometimes those boundaries can in and of themselves be that grace, right? So I, it, let's say you have an older child who's out of the home, but you still have siblings. They have siblings that are in the home, um, but the one who's out of the house is an unbeliever. Uh, how much influence do you want them, especially if they are yeah. openly in rebellion against the Lord, how much influence do you want them to have on your younger children who are still in the home? Um, I would limit that relationship, and that in and of itself is grace. It's a boundary, but it's grace. Yeah, um, I think that's key. That you're you're showing grace in a way that a lot of people don't think of as grace, yeah. but that is grace. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's grace to on both sides, whether it's the children in the home or the children outside the home. To the one outside the home who's in open rebellion, there's consequences to your sin. It's your there's a sense in which you're cut off from those whom you love, and that's you know. Speaking of a greater spiritual reality, actually, and you're not cutting them off because you're cutting them off because oh, you jerk! They're they're these boundaries that you. I mean, I in our notes that we just jotted down, a son who physically fights mom. They they, <laughs> you don't say. Well, we just need to show him grace as your wife is now nursing a broken nose and a right an, a, a black eye. It's like no, um, that boy is clearly needs to go out of this house if he cannot treat mom that way. Now, there are some bigger issues as to how he got to that point in his life, but that's not the point we're trying to say. There are boundaries that you're going to put up. There are consequences. One of the things I teach parents all the time is you don't kick a child out of the house. Um, What you do is you make the standards and expectations in the house so clear, but also the consequences. And this is where mom and dad are you know, famous for failing, that there's consequences. Uh, you lose privileges. But one of those privileges you could lose is the right to live in home anymore. So they're 18. Uh, they don't want to get a job. And you say, well, you have to have a job, and if you're as long as you're working 40 hours a week because you're not in school and this and that, you can live with this. But you have to be saving, and you have to be doing this and that because you're preparing them for future. And then they decide instead that they're going to waste their money, get fired from their job, and blah, blah, blah. Well, then at some point soon, you should be sitting them down and saying, okay, buddy, I told you the rules. You're not keeping the rules, and so what did I tell you would be the consequences? Okay, so in other words, you chose this. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you're putting on. It's and and you don't have to be angry. Then you don't have to get out of here. I hope hope you this serves you right. It's it's actually sad. Yeah, you sent them out with grief. Yeah, yeah, you're like I didn't. I don't want to do this, but you've chosen that. But that's grace. It's it's you're giving them the consequences so that hopefully. They can see those consequences, and then, like the prodigal son, you know, say the pigs are eating better than me. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's hard. But w- what we really find, though, is 
parents are so terrified of their children leaving and getting into troubles, and so they make decisions built around keeping the child in the home. Um, again, remember, your goal is to get them out of the home. Uh, especially the son. His job is to leave, and you're to equip him to do that well. But if he wants to leave badly, that's not your problem. That's his. Um, I remember, I, I got to be careful how I word this one, but there was a, a couple I was counseling years and years ago, and their son had done some very serious things. I asked the husband, you know, so what do you think should should be done? I, I'm like, I just want to, I knew what I would do, but, and his idea was, I, I think he needs to leave the home. And I said, I do too. And the wife got very concerned over that. And she's like, but what What if he, and uh, she said things like, I mean, if he leaves, how is he going to get ahead in life? How? I mean, he could end up, you know, shacking up with some girl and getting her pregnant. And, I, and she just could see all of those things. And ultimately, they uh, chose to keep him in the house. And I'm like, I could see a very clear difference between husband and wife of consequences. And uh, it's like, if, if our goal is to keep the child from getting a girl pregnant, going to jail, or, or having an accident, then my parenting is going to be very different than if I have a goal of training them in the way of the Lord and the gospel. So yeah. um, <laughs> stop thinking he's your enemy. Love the kid, but from day one, you're going to surround this child with the gospel and the effects of that gospel, and I think most of you are going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, kind of a related question. What would be the limit as a parent to accept a child's rejection of Christ? Is it until they decide to go out of the home, or you should let them go for the sake of peace in your home once they can't live in a Christian home? Meaning, apparently, like, they're in rebellion, and they're messing up the rest of the home with their presence. Yeah. I guess that's what they mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we've talked in other episodes, um, if you're still maintaining a Christian home, if at some point they can't conform to that or they're upsetting that, then it's good that they go out, especially if it is upsetting the home. And I would argue it's now affecting siblings, uh, or something like that, uh, you're not you're not saving them by forcing them to still be there in some way. Um, and in fact, if you have had a solid Christian home, they should feel the loss uh, of the blessing of being in that home once they go out. And it's it's not church discipline, but it's similar to the effects of what you hope church discipline accomplishes, in that it brings them back because they they suffer the loss of no longer being in the blessing of that community in certain ways. I'd also say that when you say rejection of Christ, the question that does, what seems to be assumed is that this rejection of Christ is a overt rebellion versus a person who's an obedient, happy child growing into adulthood. They just like, Dad, Mom, I'm sorry. I don't know if I agree with this. I don't know if I, you know, it's like, so it's, when you say rejection of Christ, I think they're also meaning that there's a, a an overt, dangerous, destructive type of rebellion that's going back where they're actively pushing against and mocking and fighting and trying to turn the other kids' minds away. Um, you know, like you said, there. I think you need to remove that. Um, 
but also re- realize that when you're seeing a child rebel against you, they're rebelling against God, and it's one and the same in that sense. Um, and don't be afraid. We, we, we dealt with what to do with a rebellious child um, in one of our podcasts that's actually titled that. But we talked about it's not they live in the home or they get sent out. I mean, it's, there's a whole bunch of other things you yeah, can do. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how that one guy, I counseled them, take the door off. You know, just remove the door. Um, I know of one parent who took their son's belongings, every every single belonging he had, uh, and got it down to just a couple of pairs of pants and shirts and said, here you go. These are your clothes, and these are your only clothes, and you're, you're going to wash them. And if you don't want to wash them, you want to look like a bum, then look like a bum. But you don't have anything else, and they, you're going to sleep on the floor. Here's a blanket. And, and I know the conversation for a fact said something along the lines of, look, you're making choices that are going to put you in homelessness yeah. if, when you move out. And so I'm going to let you experience some of the discomfort of that now and show you it's not worth it. I don't know what you think you're going to win, but it's not good. I mean, you know, so again, realize that you can, there are a lot of steps. That's a, still a pretty extreme level where you're taking your parenting and letting them come to grips with what what they're doing. It's not either yeah, or. Yeah, it's a spectrum. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Then the last one is, uh, can you consider that you failed as a parent if your children reject Christ, especially for those who were born in a solid Christian home? Again, there's some assumptions. Yeah. Well, if it is truly a solid Christian home, then I would argue, no, you have not failed at all. Um, Because again, you're not in control of the fruit, right? You can only be faithful. And so if it is a truly solid Christian home, you've done well, you just, you're not able to control that product. That's not in your power. Um, but again, we would want to challenge or maybe ask the question of how are you, what do you define as a solid Christian home? Which is the reason for many episodes right. on this. I, I, we're not trying to be jerks here, okay? And we're not trying to call into question everybody's home, even though we are. Um, but I mean, I've been doing this long enough to have had conversations with parents who say, yeah, we didn't train them that way. And yet I look at their life as a pastor and I'm like, your life is not under the control of the Spirit. I mean, you, you guys can't make basic sound decisions with your money, your time, your temperament, your marriage is rocky. Um, I'm giving you marriage counseling, but, but you're upset because your son, well, I didn't raise him to do that. And it's like, I'm not sure you didn't. So make certain when you, before you start patting yourself on the back that you're a solid Christian, maybe you should sit down with your pastor <laughs> and just say, look, I want you to be brutally honest with me. Um, brutally. When you look at me, am I the kind of Christian you want your entire, entire church to be like? And then let him answer it. Mm-hmm. And I said, and be, and, and, but be ready. Be ready for the answer. He might look at you and say, absolutely, you are a joy. Um, but he also might look at you and say, no, I, I don't. And, and, and then humbly ask him, so why? What, what are the things I'm, I'm doing? And, and learn to come to grips with that because parents set their kids up in a sense to reject Christ because what they're not seeing is a, 
a living, active faith in their mom and dad. They, they don't see, I mean, my kids, I think all of them would without hesitation say that their mother is a woman of prayer. She loves her children, her grandchildren. When she tells you she's praying for you, she's praying for you. And she's burdened, and she wants to come alongside. She wants to encourage you. She wants to strengthen you. She'll always, I mean, that was the world they grew up with, with their mother. And, um, you know, what are you modeling for your children? And, and, and it's not a task, it's a life. And um, mm-hmm. so, so before you say, well, it was a solid Christian home, so we didn't fail, um, make certain it is a solid Christian home. At the same time, there's not a whole lot of help in beating yourself up if you didn't have a solid Christian home and your kids are right now rebellion. The best thing to do is repent. Yeah, just start now. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So today we change. First thing I do is have, have my, mom, my son over and I seek his forgiveness. I admit I did not do well and that I will seek to model better that yeah. and listen to him and let him maybe rage at you for a bit because his upbringing was miserable under your tight-fisted, iron-fisted demands or something, you know, but you repent. Well, and it's amazing how quickly God can do things. Uh, I'm thinking of that verse because we just did the previous episode um, about how God is opposed to the proud, but then gives grace to the humble. Yeah. And so the oh, question is, one, if yeah. you recognize failures in many, many years of failures, why not today humble yourself, repent, cry out, say, I need help and I need to change. And it's amazing all of a sudden when God's grace shows up, how quickly he can set things in order, even over and against your failures yeah. and future failures. But because you're simply humbling yourself and beginning that process of repenting, which is a process, not a one-time change. Um, I mean, I've seen it, and I know you've seen yeah. it. Well, and, and it's really cool when, when a parent gets that way with an, an adult child, and that child then says, you know, Dad, I'm starting to think you're for real. Now, that might be two years later, but that, that, that kind of gives you the sense of how deep this maybe resentment comes of in their heart, but they're starting to think, I think he's different. Uh, and, and, and so it's not, okay, I'm going to repent for a week, and then why aren't you a believer now? Ah, you worthless <laughs> bum. You know, it's like, no, yeah. it's a life of now repenting of what you should have been and now putting that on. Uh, guys, as long as your child is breathing and you're breathing, you have hope. There's hope, yep. Um, bring them that gospel, but but make certain it's clothed in humility, it's clothed in graciousness, um, that your actions and attitudes are not contradicting it. When, when you say, remember, I'm just thinking off the cuff here, the three aspects of saving faith, of the, the facts, agreeing to those facts, and then trusting in those facts. It's really easy to talk about the first two, get those facts down and agree to them. But modeling what it looks like to trust um, is, is a whole different thing. And that's what true saving faith is, when the gospel truly is your hope. It, and so the old song, it is well with my soul. Everything else sucks, <laughs> right, right. but it's okay because my soul's well. And if my soul is well because it's in Christ, then everything else will be restored in the end. So it's okay. I'm, I'm good. And, and that is something that you cannot hide from your child. A child can see a person who is not freaking out because he got a flat tire. 
but rather he's maybe frustrated he got the flat tire, but it's not the end all, or that the marriage is not what he had hoped it to be. And there's a lot of that where it's just a sad marriage for whatever reason. And and instead of being bitter, it's the husband or wife are laboring and working hard to do it. Um, who was it? The president of I'm going to screw this up. The president of Princeton, B.B. Warfield, I mm-hmm. think it was. I think it was him. I'm, I, I, I'm always afraid when I'm doing these things off of something I read years ago, but I believe his wife was struck by lightning on their honeymoon. Yeah. And, um, and she really basically became an invalid for the rest of her life. And he labored to just care for he he would leave his work as a president early every day to go because he had to physically care for her. She was just unstable and frail. Um, you know what? That's not the marriage you <laughs> when you got married and went away on your honeymoon. You're expecting A and you got B, but how do you handle yourself? You know what? You're you're portraying to your children this is what trusting Christ looks like. This is that's that's very powerful versus a guy who's got all of the facts down and he's somehow angry about it. Yeah. Okay. And and never be afraid to confess. Uh, I think there's nothing more exasperating than when someone decides that things need to change and then all of a sudden their whole house is flipped upside down because they need to start making changes versus communicating to the people who are entrusted to you of, hey, here's my, here's my failures and I've recognized them and I need to start changing. Please forgive me. Here's expectations going forward though. But, and, but it done gently and yeah. with shame because it was me. I'm dad and I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point. All right. So those are the questions for today. We have some more that we'll try to answer for you coming up. But um, folks, love your children, trust Christ, and model that in every possible way. And you're probably not going to be built around this fear of them abandoning what you believe. So we hope that you'll continue to listen, share, like, rate, review, uh, share this, especially on those very social media platforms. And don't forget to tell a friend. Tell a friend.